Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. I got to share some of these testimonies coming out of our Ecclesia groups. You guys know what those are? Yeah, those are, those are not home groups, but they're Ecclesia groups, right? And here's the deal. We're trying to connect our groups to Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47. And we got to understand that in the book of Acts, they didn't have a church paradigm. They had an Ecclesia paradigm. So they function. By the way, uh, Ryan, great job on those announcements, man. That was... I mean, you're the, you're the guy. Worship leader extraordinaire. Video announcement, dude, you know, like, and your dad's up there in the sound booth right there. That's father. And he didn't even turn you down. That was, I don't know. A barista, songwriter. Man, Michelle's lucky. Okay, so. Oh, Michelle, didn't mean to embarrass you, but it was fun. So we're connecting our groups, and so we're believing God for an apostolic movement. Remember, in Acts chapter, in the book of Acts, the first eight chapters is about a year and a half. And so 20,000 people got saved in a year and a half, moving with an ecclesia paradigm. And that we can't look at Acts chapter 1. This is not my message. We can't look at Acts chapter 1, maybe. We can't look at Acts chapter 1 and... And say that that's something that would never that will never happen again. I think that we can do even greater things, right? And so, uh, so we are going for it. And we had over 105, 125 people in our ecclesia group last month. And so, how many guys attended? Put your hand up, real high. Yeah, look at that. Now look at all the ones who. Okay, so. Um, and so we just, we just love for you to come out. So we're, we're going by region. So we have one in Hayward. We have one down in the San Jose area, across the peninsula, just all at Fremont, you know. Um, and so we're having to actually even expand now our groups. And so, um, so all, these, all you guys who are going, amazing. But I just wanted to, uh, I just thought it'd be really cool because we're seeing more miracles in the small groups than we're actually seeing in here. Isn't that crazy? And maybe it's because we're given a little more time, but every single uh, Ecclesia group, we end with going after miracles. Signs and wonders and miracles. And so uh, I told these guys, we had a staff meeting just a couple days ago, and we wrote down like what, just from our little vantage point as, as Ecclesia leaders, we're, we just wrote down what God was doing in the groups. And so I just, is it okay if I just read a few of these healings off to you guys? You guys got to say amen to that, you know. Yeah. Here, <laughs> here it is. The thing is, is that you can't fabricate or make up a healing. It, an authentic healing. You can't, you can't program healings it's by the presence of God, by the spirit of God touching the body. It's supernatural. And so we're learning how to make the supernatural natural, where the supernatural actually becomes natural, and anything that's not supernatural becomes unnatural. Does that make sense? It's living from heaven to earth, right? So we had uh, shoulder muscles totally healed, wrist healed, asthma healed. We had, uh, we had I'm trying to read these, this came as a text, upper back 
uh, one of the discs healed, foot pain for years gone, bunion pain gone. Um, oh, in our Sunday service, we had tons of people, their shoulder, right shoulders were totally healed, shoulders, left shoulders, even God's, I said right shoulder as a word of knowledge, but people's left shoulders got healed too, so I like that, how God just goes like this. Fear and anxiety, breakthrough, taken away, healed of anxiety, um, right shoulder pain, healing, um, and I'm reading this list, back pain, way better, so that's breakthrough, and then remember, the, uh, I think the first time we had a creative miracle, well, we actually had a leg grow out, and that was always, that's always a lot of fun. Uh, and so that we're just going after it and we're believing God for it. And I just would encourage you guys to be involved in it, right? Amen. So one climbing up here, go ahead and say amen. Or... What's important too is um, to, I'd love for you guys to be part of the, uh, the Prosperous Home Conference with Stephen Silva. How many guys were here last year when we had Prosperous Soul, we had a Prosperous Soul conference uh, with Stephen De Silva. If you guys don't know who Stephen is, Stephen was the former business administrator for Bethel Church in San Jose. San Jose. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Bethel Church in Reading. Oh my gosh. I have no idea why that just came out. I have... That small, non-apostolic work up in Reading. <laughs> and, um, and so he, he's, a, he's a good friend of ours, and he's been serving, he served uh, Bethel uh, Reading faithfully for, uh, I don't know, 20-something, 30s, I don't know, a number of years. And, uh, and so I think he might know a thing or two about money, about prospering, and we just felt it was so strategic to have him come and to, to actually do this seminar, uh, especially as we're moving with Ecclesia in the home. And there's always a supernatural element when you bring somebody from Bethel down. There's a, when Stephen ministers, there's, there's a lot of uh, straight-up sozo activity, I'll just say that. Um, regarding finances, breakthrough in finances, breakthrough in fear, all these things that just kind of come off of people. And one thing we didn't say in that, in that price, the, the reason why it's $49, which is kind of our standard, but we wanted to lower the price because we felt like this was a real important seminar. But we, but we found out that we're required, everyone's required to get Stephen's book. And this is called Pro The Prosperous Home. This is the manual. So every single person that registers is going to get this manual, and he's going to be teaching through this manual. So the only thing is, that I think for married couples, we're only going to offer one manual, not two. So um, hopefully that you guys could look, work on it together. Usually it's the wife who's doing all the writing, and the guy sits back with his arms crossed, you know? So uh, in a very comfortable position, I should say. Um, so maybe you guys can switch off, but really, really encourage you guys. And this conference, this, it's, it's a conference, it's a seminar, really. It's Friday night is going to be open to everybody. Friday night's free, come, 
be a part of it. Saturday's the seminar, and that's when he's going to be working through um, this manual. And then he'll be with us on Sunday morning, April 15th. And so we just would love to have you guys come out for that and be a part of that, all right? So I think it's, I think it's crucial. I think it's critical as we move through apostolically with ecclesia in the home and uh, to be a part of this. And I'm reading through this, and this looks really good. Makes me want to think of how am I going to do mine when I actually do something. So, I thought. So, um, you want Caitlin? Maybe you can grab this. <clears throat> and then, do we have those in the bookstore too? Yeah. yeah. So, if you just if you can't make it to the conference um, and you want that, that we have that in our bookstore. Okay. All right. Good. Good seeing you guys. You guys are a little quiet. You guys alive? Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's so good. All right. Well, last week, um, I chatted with you about faith. And faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen, or something like that. And, um, but the thing that, that really um, strikes me, that hits me, is, is, I think, verse 3. And that is, by faith we understand. And so we have, to, we have to come to the conclusion that we don't understand to have faith. By faith we understand. So we have to anchor ourselves in the unseen reality and let, let faith rule our hearts. And some things might not make sense, but you know they're from God. Because by faith we understand. So... Even when we started Convergence 22 years ago, it didn't make sense in the natural to have two little kids move from Eugene, Oregon, and come down to Fremont, where a place that's maybe three times the cost of living, uh, and to actually uh, plant a work, plant a church in Fremont. This didn't quite make sense, except that God's involved. And when God's involved, it, makes, it can make perfect sense because by faith, we understand. And what we talked about, too, is that the, the importance of hope because where there, there's hope, faith isn't too far behind. And so faith feeds on hope. And faith is an anchor. Where hope is, hope actually attracts faith. And the reason why I'm kind of uh, going over that with you today, because as soon as I was done with the message last week, I was going to my office and doing, you know, doing my Greg stuff, you know, back to the office. Anyway, whatever I do, anyway, just walking back there. And the Lord says, don't forget about my goodness. Because if, if I don't believe in the goodness of God, then I won't have faith or hope. And so I want to talk to you this morning about God's goodness. Are you ready? All right. So what I'd like for you to do is turn to uh, Genesis. And I want you to anchor in on chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I will, I will arrive there at some point. Genesis chapter 3. But let me just go ahead and kind of set the table a little bit. A.W. Tozer says, there is nothing more important than a right view of God. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
So let's take a moment and let's define, let's define uh, the goodness of God. Psalm, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures this morning. It's going to be a little different. Psalm 107, verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 31, verse 19 says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you, in the presence of the sons of men, for his mercy endures forever. In order for us to understand the goodness of God, let's talk about what good is, right? Because if, if we don't define what good is, then we're going to, we could, it's kind of like what, what is love? I mean, love could be, I love my wife, I love my dog Fido, and I love Rocky Road ice cream, you know, and I love God. And so if we don't define what love is, then we, we, we could be off course. So same thing with good, like what is, what does good mean? So I, I went to the to a dictionary, and man, I cannot tell you how many definitions there are of the word good. So let me just give you a few. Uh, it, can mean, it can mean better than average, as he's a good student. It can mean something which provides favorable results, as in, I was, it was a good business trip. It could mean that which is effective or efficient, as in, a Jeep is a good off-road driving vehicle. I don't know about that, but it can mean, okay, sorry, it can mean that which is genuine or real, as in good money. It can mean something that is honorable, as in having a good name. It could mean something that is enjoyable or agreeable, as in life is good. Is life good? Yes. Okay. It can mean something which is reliable or dependable, as in good advice. It can mean that which is thorough, as in he did a good job. It can mean that which is adequate, ample, or sufficient, as in that was a good meal. Don't think about it right now. It can mean that which is morally sound or excellent, virtuous, kind, benevolent, generous, as in he is a good man. So the goodness of God, first of all, is the substance of all of who God is. Exodus 33, 19 says, then, then he said, Moses said, I will make my goodness pass before you. The Lord says to Moses, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion to whom I have compassion. Number two, we cannot separate the, good, the goodness or separate goodness from God. You cannot have goodness without God, and you cannot have God without goodness. Psalm 16, verse 2 says, O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. God is the source of everything good. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Number four, the goodness of God is a character trait which applies to every other attribute of God. God's justice is good. His holiness is good. His righteousness is good. 
His purposes are good. God, in Romans 8, causes all things to work together for for good. So whatever comes into the life of a believer is a part of God's purpose to bring about our good for his glory. So let's, let's, uh, let's, I'm going to get a little, bit, a little bit more theological with you guys, so you guys say amen to that. Amen. Let me just read a little bit out of Tozer, because I think he does a good job in working this out. The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill towards men. He's tender-hearted and of quick sympathy. He is unfailing. He and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. He also says divine goodness, uh, divine goodness as one of God's attributes is, now it's getting a little theological, is self-caused, infinite, perfect, and eternal. Since God is immutable, he never varies in the intensity of his loving kindness. He has never been kinder than he is now, nor will he ever be less kind. He is no respecter of persons, but makes his sun to shine on the evil as well as the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. The cause of his goodness is in himself. The recipients of his goodness are all his beneficiaries, without merit or without recompense. God's goodness is the ground of our expectation. In other words, God's, God's goodness is the anchor of our faith. It'll be, it'll be very difficult for us to have faith in God if we don't believe that God is good. How can you have faith in something that you don't believe is good? And there's been an attack on the goodness of God, which actually pulls the carpet out of our faith. It's the rug that's being pulled from our faith and our hope. I I have no reason to believe that my children would receive my advice unless they felt that I was for them and not against them. They're not going to receive my counsel unless they feel somewhere in their heart that dad's looking out for my highest good. And the enemy will sow a seed into our hearts about the goodness of God, and that is always his frontline assault tactic. If I can question God's people, or if I can question people about the goodness of God, then I create room for disobedience. And there's a lot of questions that we have as believers, as people. There's things that happen in the world that we don't quite understand. 
But we do know this, that all things work out for good for those who believe. Are you guys okay? Let me just continue to read on just a little bit more here. Prayer is not in itself meritorious, merit-based. It lays God under no obligation nor puts him in debt to any. He hears prayer because he's good. Nor is faith meritorious. Faith is simply confidence in the goodness of God. In fact, that's so good, let's just repeat it. Faith is confidence in the goodness of God. And the lack of it is a reflection upon God's holy character. The whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe that we dwell under a friendly sky and that the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. Another old-timer theologian, his name was Arthur, uh, Arthur Pink. Everyone's just say Pink. I saw this, I'm not going to even go there. I saw this woman driving a black car. Um, we're, we were in Reading yesterday. A black car, and everything was accentuated, accented with pink. I mean, pink wheels. Not tires, the, wheel, the, you know, the rim, the pink, that, pink accents all over there. It was really weird. Well, pink says, all goodness, there, all goodness there is in any creature has been imparted from the creator. But God's goodness is underived. He's eternally good before there was any communication of his goodness. Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I am confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I am confident, I have confidence that I will see the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 33, 5, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 34, 8 through 10. You guys all know this. I'll only read the first part of it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good, and what you do is good. You are good, and what you do is good. 2 Peter 1 2 and 3, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Wow. You can just camp there. He called us by his own glory and his own goodness. Now, I told you to get to Genesis chapter 3. Are you there on your smartphones, on your paper Bibles, and I just want you to know the Passion Translation came out, version two just came out, where you don't see the words on the back side of the paper, because version one, the pages were too thin. I bought it anyway. 
Version two, they thickened the paper. So, but you can get the, you can get the Passion Translation on uh, Bible Gateway. I think it's also on version, which is very cool because it's free. <laughs> they do have a leather now, Passion Translation, all leather one. So it only costs you 125 bucks. That's like five, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> now, in this Bible account of the fall of Adam and Eve, it's significant that Satan's attack was on the dimension of the character of God. And I will say this. When, when people are, are misbehaving or people are moving in sin, whether they're saved or unsaved, that there's a lie about God that they're believing that's not true. And if you're going to be praying for people who don't know Jesus, you're going to be praying for those who have been backslidden, you have to be praying, be praying for the Lord to give you the revelation of the lie they're believing. Because that is what's actually separating them from the love of God. So it's true that Satan virtually calls God a liar in this portion of Scripture, but the first attack of Satan was waged against the attribute of God's goodness. And I would say it usually always is. Because if he can convince us that God is not good, well, I'll say this. If he can convince us that God is not moving for our benefit every single moment of our life, I'll even say, I'll take a step. I'm going to take a big step right now. I say the more, if we can be, the more, I'll just say it this way. The more convinced we are of the goodness of the Lord. In other words, if a believer fully embraces the goodness of the Lord, I don't think they'll ever backslide. Now, I got that thought during worship this morning. That's weird, isn't it? I, I don't know, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, which had four legs at that point, right, because he was cursed to the, the dirt, right? So I think his legs just disappeared. I don't know what he looked like. Anyway, <laughs> the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you'll die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan's seemingly innocent question was intended to undermine Eve's confidence in the goodness of God. 
By the time Satan has finished, Eve has come to view God as one who was less than good and the forbidden fruit of that which is good. Once Eve doubted the goodness of God, it was a great deal easier for her to disobey God. In other words, if God was not good and was not acting for her good, then why should she obey him? So, indeed, why should she not act independently of God in seeking her own good, which was the forbidden fruit, which was knowledge, more like God? Why listen to a command coming from someone who is less than good and not thinking the very best for me? Satan first changed Eve's perspective of God, and then he was able to persuade her to disobey God. By eating the forbidden fruit. Once we come into agreement that God does not act out of his goodness in every moment of our lives, then we will seek our own goodness. So from the very foundations of mankind, we have this picture. We have the serpent coming. We have the Lord given a command don't, you can eat out of every single tree. I don't know how many trees there were. We know there was more than two. You can eat out of any, any and all these trees, but don't touch that one right there. And the enemy used that as a tool, as a vice, as a, as a means to actually at least create something inside of Eve that's saying that God is not actually looking out for your highest good because if you just go ahead and partake of this fruit, you'll be more like God. And why wouldn't God want me to be more like him? So she looked and she saw, I mean, there's hundreds of sermons that come out of this, but what I'm trying to say is that the very foundational level, if she didn't, if she for a moment, felt like God was less than good, God was less than looking out for her highest good, always 110%, if she totally trusted in the goodness of God, she would have said she would have had a different answer for the serpent than what she gave. And Adam was nearby, and he could have stepped up, but he didn't. Oh, that's a whole other message. Didn't protect his wife. I would have put my hands around the serpent's throat. What I'm trying to tell you or just encourage it's a simple word this morning, and, and that is if we don't have a foundation of the goodness of God, then it's going to be hard for us to have faith in God and it's going to be hard for us to put our hope in God. Because at the, very, at the very base of our relationship, the very root system of our relationship, if the soil is in any way contaminated, it's going to impact the plant. And if we feel for a moment that God's not looking out for our highest good always, 
then it's going to be hard to put our hope in God, and it's going to be hard for the faith of God to come into our own hearts and life where we actually believe something because we feel like God's against us. And the things that I struggle with, the questions I cannot answer, will come into a direct collision with the goodness of God. So I'm 17 years old. I'm in the living room of my, of my house. I don't, we didn't have cable TV then. Tells you how old I am. We didn't even have remotes. You had to actually get up and turn a channel. Come on, some of you guys say, man, you guys are that old. You guys know what I'm talking about. We had four channels. Anyway, so there I am, coming home after school, 17 years old, my dad's home from work, sitting in the kitchen, having a steak. I think he was on an on on Atkins diet, remember that? Next thing I know, I see him falling backwards, Dead. I'm 17. I've been saved one year. I didn't know he, he was dead. He fell back. Boom. I ran into that. I don't know what to do. I ran into the kitchen. I'm like, Dad, are you okay? Nothing. Dad, I'm hitting him on the... Dad, are you okay? Dad, I'm shaking him. Nothing. The only thing I knew to do was go to my neighbor because he was an old military vet because my dad was a military vet. I over to my neighbor. I said, Bob, you got to come over here. I don't know something's happened to my dad. Well, he was home. He comes in, and he knew right away. He put his hand here, military guy. He knew right away he was gone. He didn't want to tell me. He said, call 911 no, or 911. Or... So I did. Rotary phone. It's <laughs> keeping it real. <clears throat> Ambulance comes. Now at that moment, have you, ever, have you ever said these words? Where are you at right now? How can that happen? How can you take my dad away from me? Did those questions surface? Absolutely. So they wheeled my dad off to Washington Hospital, I think, because we lived in Fremont. And my mom works. There's no cell phones. There's no text messaging. There's no FaceTiming. A bunch of cars in front of my house. Opens the door. She's like, what's going on? And I look at her and I said, Dad's gone. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, you know, I'm crying. Dad's gone. Dad's not here. Dad died. And everyone's around her. You know, the shock on her face. What do you do with that when you're 17? 
and you just got saved for a year. You've just been saved for a year. What do you do, what do, you do with that? The first line of assault, I didn't know this theologically, was the goodness of God. If this, then why this? We've all had that question, haven't we? You know, all I can say is it's by the grace of God that I didn't, I didn't go out partying. I didn't go out and do drugs. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go off the deep end. I'll just say that. Was there pain involved? Absolutely. Was there something taken from me? You bet. Absolutely. Did I have unanswered questions? Yes. I, you know what I think? Of the, I just think of the, the grace of God just, I don't know, just pulled on me when I didn't know it. That makes sense? I just remember a youth pastor that I kind of knew I just started going to church and he came over and he's just you don't have any answers really you just pray so I just remember him in the family room just holding hands with my twin brother I have a twin brother one of these days I'll get him here so you can at least see him I'm better looking than he is by the way you guys will know that when you see it. So. so there he is. There I am. And there's, uh, his name was Bob Beard. He didn't have a beard, but that's his last name. Bob Beard. Prayed for us. Now, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying that to say that We've all experienced pain. We've all experienced a level of loss. We've all experienced and have questions we just can't answer. There's, there's tragedies that take place in our country we don't have answers for. Now, I tried to address that several weeks ago when I talked about the wrath of God. So we actually pull ourselves under, away from his covering and his protection, we pull ourselves away. But there's, there's things that, that, are, that are happening in our country, there's things that happen in our own personal lives that we're not gonna, we're not gonna, have, quite, we're not gonna have answers for in this life. But the frontline assault, the, the, the frontline accusation is that God cannot be good if this happens. You know, and the, the verse that's really, you know, I think everybody knows this verse, but I think it's in Isaiah 55, his ways are higher, his thoughts are greater. You just got to push it into that category. Because, friends, there are some questions that will never be answered. 
I'm not saying that you don't research it. I'm not saying that you don't. But there's going to be some questions that are just aren't going to be answered. But I'm here to tell you that you, it's important that we anchor ourselves into the goodness of God. Now, I don't, you know, you ever, you know, the older you get, sometimes you think about, you kind of chart your life out a little bit. Like, would I be in full-time ministry if my dad was alive? I don't know. I don't know. I would sure like to have him alive and see, obviously. But if I don't embrace fully the goodness of God in every aspect of my life, then I won't have hope in God. And I won't have faith. And I feel like there are people in this room this afternoon, you have a lot of questions. There might be people in this room, you only have a few questions, but they're, they're why questions. Not just what, not just how. You guys, I can't explain what, you know, I can't explain the shootings in our high schools, except for a madman just goes crazy. I can't, I can't, I can't explain that. I can't, I can't explain whether you know, a kid gets shot and he's a born-again believer. Yeah. I, can't, I can't put my finger on that just as much as I can't give you an explanation of why my dad died when I was only 17. But I refuse to question his goodness. Now, that doesn't mean I'm ignorant. That just means that he's a lot smarter than me. It doesn't mean God doesn't get a, God doesn't freak out with my questions. He's like, I don't think the father turns to the son and says, I don't know if I can answer that one. It's a tough, tough question. Jesus. Let's ask the spirit. He goes to the deep things of God, right? So there's certain things we're just not going to get. But I, want to, I do want to encourage you with this. That the goodness of God is the essence of God. It's an anchor for us. Until I, until I resolved... I didn't even know. I, I, again, I, I'm 17. I don't have a theological answer for anything. It's been saved a year and a half. I don't have any, I don't have any solutions. I don't have any answers. I, I just had a bunch of people who loved Jesus around me. And I think that's what God used to bring me through. I don't have the five generations. 
I think I'm the first generation in my family. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm grafted into a, a lineage, spiritual heritage. That would be Wendy, just so you guys know. I think what I wanted to just encourage you here just for a moment too and remember that the goal of God now hold on to your chairs with this one okay because we live in America and this might sound real weird the goal of God the, the goal of the Father is not to make me happy okay now I know that's a little bit of a reach because we think Christianity, we equate Christianity to happiness. When the fruit of the Spirit is joy, not happiness, right? We have to make the distinction between joy and happiness. Actually, happiness comes from a word called happenstance. In other words, it's based on conditions. So when the conditions are right, I'm happy. And when the conditions aren't right, I'm not happy. But joy goes way beyond that. Joy is in any situation. There's, there's something inside of me that's even beyond happiness. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit, because joy is supernatural. And I know you've heard me say it before, and I just haven't said it today. The goal is not to make Greg happy. The goal is to make me more like Jesus, right? Right? So we need to be conformed into his image and likeness. That's why when those difficult situations arise, that I can, be, can, I can allow that situation to make me more like Jesus or not. You know, Jesus had his eye on the cross for the joy set before him. And the cross was exceedingly painful, cruel. And you might ask yourself, where's the goodness of God in the cross? Where's the goodness of God in the 39 lashes? Where's the goodness of God in the crown of thorns on his head? Where's the goodness of God in the purple robe being torn off? Where's the goodness of God in all of it? Well, in that moment, you're not going to get the revelation until you see the empty tomb. Right? I just want to encourage you, on a good day, I can see probably this far on a good day like my vision my spiritual vision is like you know I'm mighty in God like I have a good I'm having a good day I'm prophesying over people on a good day and I'm 100% on my prophetic words good day two people got healed three people got healed good day that's about as far as I see but if you're in the crowd and you see Jesus carrying a cross 
you could be saying to yourself, where's the goodness of God in that? Because we don't see the whole picture. And I do believe there's a resurrection in every circumstance, somewhere in your spiritual history and in your future. You might not understand it now. I might not understand it now. But there is a resurrection because God makes everything work together for good. And because if I can... if. If I can just have the goodness of God be my anchor, then I'll have faith in God. And I'll have hope in God. And <laughs> I would I would encourage you to pay attention to your thoughts and your emotions. And when there's, a, when there's even a, the slightest attack against whatever, the slightest question or whatever the enemy might be using, I would, I would just encourage you, it says in Scripture, to, to capture those thoughts and to rebuke those thoughts. Now, can we say this? Life can be hard. Can I just be real? Life is not Facebook. And life is not Instagram. Because there's nothing wrong with anybody, usually, on social media. Everybody's on a vacation. Everybody's in Hawaii. Everyone's getting tanned. Everybody, everyone, you know, there's hundreds of people coming to Jesus every single week. It's like there's nothing, everyone's like, you know, you're with, they're with your family. They're just like, everyone's, everyone's smiling. You know, life is not Facebook. Social media, Instagram, Snapchat, video, you know, like I, I, I'm cool with all of it. And that's part of reality, but that's not the full reality. Because no one sees the dark times and no one's going to take a picture, usually, <laughs> saying life is falling apart, dude. <laughs> you don't see that. You know the cross, which is Good Friday, that the Father made the cross an eternal symbol of his goodness. The empty tomb is too. Now I want you to think of, now I'm going to, I'm rambling, I'm not, I'm, I'm stopping myself except to say, you just have to understand that God went to the cross. The man Christ Jesus was fully God and fully man. So God went to the cross. It was God who had the 
crown of thorns on his head. It was God who had whipped 39 times by the, by the people he created. Well, how can that be good? Because there's a resurrection. And that's our anchor. Our anchor is the goodness of God. No, I haven't read Bill's book all the way through yet. Not yet. But I think that's I think that's what he contends for too. Is God's goodness and that's the frontline attack. It's okay to have questions. I'm just trying to be real with you. It's okay to say where where are you? Why? As long as it doesn't pull the carpet out of your from under your faith. If those, those questions should not create distance, it should create nearness. When the questions create distance, then we're actually moving contrary to his will. We're actually listening to the enemy. And the reason why it's creating distance is because there's pain. It's hurt. But let the questions that you have bring nearness, even when you don't understand. I hope that made sense. Bold faith, hope, and love are anchored in the goodness of God. Even when we don't understand. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.